We access the world around us through the infrastructure that is within our built and natural environments. How accessible and efficient the infrastructure is in the built environment reflects the considerations or lack of considerations for social and environmental justice. Government Grilled Cheese podcasts and blog posts explores how infrastructure facilitated by local, state, and federal entities affect outcomes of social mobility, academics, economics, and health. Our goal is to examine how different examples of built infrastructure play out in these areas for marginalized communities. We explore how individuals and organizations are holding government entities accountable for infrastructure and its outcomes. We also look at how some of these individuals and organizations are facilitating infrastructural design or policy advocacy and development in order to improve these outcomes. We will do this through our five-segment program. These segments include... Sankofa, The Table, Here and Now, Call to Action, and Continuing the Conversation. A detailed description of each of those segments is provided in our introductory episode. Please check it out if you have not done so already. This week, our podcast is entitled Like an Invasive Species, How California's Fire Management and Forest Policies create the wildfire issues experienced today. In 2003, I was living in San Diego. That year, there was the Cedar Fire, which caused schools to shut down for almost a week due to air quality. Throughout the county of San Diego, the Cedar Fire destroyed almost 300,000 acres and almost 3,000 buildings, and it killed 15 people. It seems that since then, there has been a growing intensity to the wildfires experienced here in California. In 2018, California experienced one of the deadliest fire seasons in its history. Three fires, the Woosley Fire, the Hills Fire, and the Camp Fire destroyed millions of dollars in property and killed nearly 100 people. This week, Government Grilled Cheese is going to talk about forest management and wildfire. First, we will discuss how indigenous people use fire for sustainability of their communities and the forest ecosystem. Second, we will look at how the United States Movement West affected California indigenous people's fire use and migration patterns and the consequential outcomes this created for the ecosystem. Next, we will look at the infrastructure used by state and federal agencies to facilitate responses to fires in the urban and wildland forest settings. We will look at these agencies' approaches to fire emergencies and look at the ways they facilitate the response. Lastly, we'll look at how changes can be made that address a more just and efficient response and look at ways investments can be made towards holistic approaches to forest management that sees fire as a tool rather than a nemesis. Sankofa. Before Europeans arrived in the Americas, indigenous people use of fire for forest management was widespread throughout the, night, throughout the United States. 
in California, there are over 100 federally recognized indigenous people tribes. These tribes are from communities with history spread over California's four geographical regional areas. These groups include the Northern Coastal Group, the Central Valley and Mountains Group, the Southern Coastal Group, and the Desert Group. Besides the Desert Group, each of these geographical areas have large landscapes of the forests. Throughout time, California indigenous people groups played a major role in managing these forest landscapes for the sustainability of the Indian communities and, and the environment. One of the main tools used for these management practices was prescribed fire burning. A fire was used to rid the forest of underbrush and clear roads to facilitate travel. It enhanced plant production for berry-producing shrub, oak trees, pine trees, and root crops. It was also an excellent insect pest control and used to kill poisonous snakes and other vermin. These fire-burning practices not only facilitated the sustenance needed for these indigenous tribes to thrive, but they also created a dynamic landscape. The roads and clear prairies in the midst of the forest were a result of these consistent fire-burning practices. As wildfires were a natural occurrence, the cultivated landscapes served as buffers to stop a wildfire from gaining fuel and threatening life. These beautifully crafted landscapes and roads allowed for indigenous communities to travel and establish farmland. The roads that were created also allowed the tribes to travel as needed based on weather conditions. For example, the Mountain and Central Valley Group created roads that allowed them to travel to the foothills of the mountains where it was cooler during the summer. Ironically, those roads also facilitated the United States settlers' movement westward. The Table As more United States settlers moved west, they impacted the indigenous people and the environment like an invasive species. Suppressive policies, population growth, and development changed the environment and the way of life for indigenous people. This invasion impacted forest management, interfered with indigenous people's migration patterns, and changed the landscape. The development practices of the United States settlers were different from the practices of the indigenous people. Unlike the indigenous people who built simple settlements and migrated to different parts of the landscape during different parts of the year, the United States settlers made stationary settlements in highly forested, wildfire-prone areas. The challenge with this is that the United States settlers did not understand the impact their development was having on the environment. They did not understand that they had interrupted the necessary forest management practices of indigenous people, thus severely impacting the ecosystem. The forest landscapes that the United States encountered did not occur naturally as originally assumed. These forest landscapes were a direct result of the way indigenous people managed them. The park-like features of the forests that appealed to the U.S. were originally thought to occur naturally as a result of thunderstorm fire. The evidence did show that there were frequent low-intensity fires that structured many western forests. However, the assumption that the forest was created by lightning 
which produced low-frequency, high-intensity wildfires, was not supported by the historical data. The conditions in which lightning could cause a fire to occur happened only early in the spring before leaf-out and understory regrowth, or late in the fall after leaf drop and the understory has has been killed by the frost. This lightning theory was debunked when historical data showed that during both these periods, there was few lightning strikes and virtually no lightning started fires observed that supported their assumptions. Fire is a part of the natural ecology of the forest. The indigenous people knew this and took the necessary precautions. The indigenous communities would either burn a clearing that would be less threatened by the fire or move to areas of the region during the wildfire season. The natural occurrence of fire would have been a non-issue for Native people due to their fire burning and forest management practices. Indigenous communities would stagger burns by 5 to 10 years to craft beautiful mosaics, forest landscapes. This added a lot of diversity in a small area within wildlands. These carefully created patterns across the landscape gave indigenous communities access to different seral stages of soil and vegetation when tribes made their seasonal rounds. Due to ignorance, the United States settlers developed permanent housing up against the backdrops of the forest without this consideration. As a result, these stationary communities built within the forest landscape have been threatened by the natural occurrence of fire. Rather than allow the ecology of wildfire to run its course, policies have been established that invest millions of dollars towards fire suppression. Here and now. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. Fire suppression policies have created negative effects on the natural ecology of wildfire. The policies have also created a barrier for native people that use fire burning for their sustenance. Although global warming plays a major role, the mismanagement of forests by federal and state agencies through fire suppression policies has created much of the fuel that causes the high-intensity fires we are seeing today. Fire suppression causes vegetation changes that create a problem of invasive conifers or trees which act as easy fuel for wildfires. The lack of prescribed burning and naturally occurring fire over the years has caused millions of acres of aspen to be lost to invading fire-sensitive trees and plants. The ponderosa pine and Douglas fir forests are being replaced by fire-sensitive and more shade-tolerant cone-bearing trees. Fire suppression is also affecting native grasslands, which have declined rapidly, while fire-sensitive woody species have replaced them. California's and Oregon's oak-dominated communities are being endangered, and are being replaced with their more fire-sensitive cousins. The hands-off or natural regulation approach by today's land managers is destroying the forest landscapes that indigenous people created over thousands of years. It is important now more than ever before to employ fire to manage the forest and understand the natural ecological process and value of wildfire. Infrastructure must be created to understand how we can live with and use fire rather than just suppress it. The urbanization of the forest caused by the United States movement West has resulted in the expansion of their socio-political systems in which the ecosystem and indigenous people are caught in the crosshairs of. 
These systems create legislation that give incentives for fire suppression, which has negatively affected the environment, indigenous peoples, and other marginalized groups. There are two main agencies that facilitate fire policy and forest management in California. These agencies are CAL FIRE, which is a state agency which that manages 31 million acres of privately owned forest landscapes, and Forest Service, which is a federal agency that manages 193 million acres of forest landscapes. Both of these agencies spend the majority of their budgets on fire suppression and prevention rather than taking a holistic fire management approach. Although many studies have shown the benefits of high-frequency, low-intensity fire burning for forest management, both agencies have little infrastructure that facilitates prescribed burning practices on an impactful scale, and their emergency response to wildfires is to put them out immediately. Since 1905, the Forest Service has managed the the National Forest Reserves. To set itself apart from the rural farmers and indigenous people, who use fire as a means to manage the forest for agriculture and other sustenance needs, the Forest Service established an anti-fire rhetoric. The most popular iteration of this is the Smokey the Bear mascot and slogan, Only You Can Prevent Forest Fires. This message was used to propagate the use of fire without a clear distinction of appropriate and inappropriate applications. In 1908, Congress passed the Forest Fires Emergency Act, which allowed the Forest Services to put any available funds towards fire suppression. Later, these expenses would be reimbursed by Congress. In 2018, this was the same practice that was followed. Because of these policies, the Forest Services takes an aggressive fire suppression approach in its forest management practices. On the Forest Service website, they tout the accomplishment that 98% of wildfires are suppressed within the first 24 hours they are detected. In their 2018 budget, over $100 million was allocated towards fire suppression programs, while only $17 million was put towards prescribed burning programs. Without adequate funding to find efficient, holistic ways of forest management, the Forest Services has continued to focus on fire suppression. To continue this focus, money is being diverted from forest management personnel that focus on restoration projects, which have been proven to reduce risk of catastrophic wildfires. Watershed projects that aim to protect drinking are also being defunded in order to invest in fire suppression personnel. This focus on fire suppression is costing thousands of jobs and billions of dollars of economic activity while putting precious cultural resources, and wildlife habitats at risk. The state agency, Cal Fire, has a mission to safeguard the people and protect the property and resources of California. Similar to the Forest Service, Cal Fire has a focus on fire suppression. Smokey the Bear is also the mascot of Cal Fire, and their approach to fire management is to immediately put out fires when they start. A large part of this mission is dependent on exploited labor assistance from the California Department of Corrections. An interview done by Democracy Now! during the November 2018 California fires shows how dangerous it is for the people fighting these fires. It also showed 
how dependent California is on the exploited labor from the California Department of Corrections. In the California fires during November 2018, 1,500 inmates fought alongside Cal firefighters. These inmates worked 24-hour shifts for $1 an hour. Many would say that these inmates do not deserve to get paid more than $1 an hour because they are incarcerated. The irony of this argument is that each person working at 9 to 5 are protected by laws that guaranteed at least a minimum wage. They also expect to get paid time and a half if they work over eight hours. Some employers also provide a minimum coverage of life insurance. If these are the minimum expectations of employment an individual has for employers in California, then it should be clear that the state of California is using exploitive labor practices to benefit from the work of inmates to facilitate the dangerous work of fire suppression. Conclusion. As we look at ways to address better forest and fire management practices in our wildlands and urban forest environments, we must be sure to develop policies that seek the most optimal solutions for all stakeholders involved. Current fire and forest management policies are wasting money while simultaneously interfering with indigenous people practices of fire burning, destroying the ecosystem, and exploiting prison labor. In order to address this, several things can be done. First, these agencies can develop programs that fund inclusive, well-paid land manager opportunities for indigenous people to reinstitute historical burning practices. The Forest Management Stewardship Program allocates funds towards sustaining the local economy. However, it does not explain how or if those funds directly translate to resources for indigenous communities on an impactful scale. A more comprehensive stewardship program that aims for inclusivity for indigenous tribes are imperative to make this a reality. This is a way to provide restorative justice and a way to preserve or reestablish optimal vegetation conditions in parks and other natural areas. There must also be a new outlook on the way fire is used. Currently, the Forest Service manages 100 93 million acres of forest. Over the last 15 years, they have only applied prescribed burning to 5% of those lands. Of the 31 million managed by Cal Fire, less than 1% receives prescribed burning per year. Both of these organizations are failing to do their part of prescribed burning while pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into fire suppression, which is adversely affecting the ecosystem. Money needs to be redirected from fire suppression into more holistic forest and fire management practices that includes widespread prescribed burning. Although prescribed burning benefits are well understood by both organizations, these federal and state agencies are currently spending very little money on prescribed burning. Fires are becoming more intense and dangerous for the people fighting them. There needs to be more incentive for the inmates that fight these fires. For decades, inmates have been paid about $1 an hour to do the hardest work during the most dangerous fires in history. While many of the Cal firefighters are making close to six figures, the inmates can barely afford to send money home to help their family. 
California saves hundreds of millions of dollars using inmates' exploited labor to fight fires while releasing some of these inmates with up to $10,000 in old restitution payments. Any restitution owed by these inmates participating in this program needs to be immediately canceled and more just payment system process needs to be developed. Each of these inmates should be should also receive a state-funded life insurance policy of at least $100,000 that can be left for their family in case they die while fighting these wildfires. It is imperative that our urban and wildland forest environment management practices be changed in order to be more equitable, sustainable, and economically inclusive. Redirecting funding towards holistic approaches to forest management that address the neglect caused by a century of fire suppression policies is vital. There is no doubt that new infrastructure is needed to address the increasing threat to life and property wildfires are causing. We must ensure that the new infrastructure also addresses the disenfranchisement of Native people from being the stewards of their ancestral land and the exploited labor practices of fire suppression. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. We really hope you enjoyed our content. Government Grilled Cheese is brought to you by Growing Greatness. Government Grilled Cheese episodes are written and produced by me, Growing Greatness founder, R. Durrell. For more information, please visit our website at growinggreatnessnow.com. A podcast link and a written blog post with citations is available on our website. Don't forget to join the conversation. Please add us on our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook at Growing Greatness and on Instagram at Growing Greatness Now. For bookings or collaboration opportunities, please email us at growinggreatnessnow at gmail.com. Until next time, cheeseheads. (laughs) 